Welcome to the UK Virtual School Podcast, a podcast for parents, home educating families, and those looking for an alternative to the current education system. I'm Sid, the founder of UK's first online school that does things differently. We dare to be different. We dare to question the notion of our current education system. Join us as we create a movement to disrupt education and seek to create one which is innovative, inclusive and fulfilling for the children who will become the leaders and change makers of tomorrow. Join us and become part of the conversation. Today we're going to be talking about how Catherine converted herself to home education after going through the pandemic and realising how effectively it worked for her child Hope. Now Hope did do another episode with us earlier so you can go back and have a listen to that and today we've got Catherine with us who will be discussing from a parent's perspective how home education has been. So hi Catherine, how are you? Hi, I'm good, thank you. Excited to be talking to you. Do you want to tell us a little bit about how the schooling system was for Hope initially and what happened when the pandemic kind of hit? I went to school, um, went through nursery and went through school um, up until the middle of year three. Um, she was in our sort of local village school, um, just the norm, you know, what, what we, you know, we sort of had always planned to do. But we talked about home education even before the pandemic, just for that flexibility, I think. We felt that for children that little, the school, uh, the schooling system, it's, it's long days, it's a lot of the week. And then when you're working as well, you, know, you don't actually get that much time with your with your child and it's quite restricted. So it was something that we kind of talked about. We'd looked into flexi schooling as well, um, but that wasn't an option at the school that Hope was at, which, you know, I can understand from, from their perspective, it's tricky to manage. So when we were sort of forced into it, um, it gave us an opportunity really to just try it out and, and see what it was like. And yeah, that was quite daunting, to be honest, at, at the start for a whole host of reasons. But we've loved it. We really, really enjoyed it. And, and as you know, carried on. How was it like for you at the beginning? I'm assuming you were still in school, but just working from home at the beginning. Because um, we didn't start until May 2020. And I think you joined us September, October time. So what was that period like for you between March and when you joined UK Virtual School? It feels like a lifetime ago, but I think mm. at that point we were still not quite sure that we were going to continue. You know, we weren't quite sure. Well, I guess no, nobody quite knew which way was up to there at that point. There was so much going on. Um, and the school was providing work. So there was work set by her school, by her teacher um, that we were doing. and we, But then we were doing quite a lot of other stuff as well, um, just to bring in that flexibility and sort of learning different things. Gradually, as the sort of year came to an end and then into the summer, it just gave us an opportunity to, to really look at home education more seriously, um, look at hope and the impact it was having on her, you know, even in the midst of a lockdown and, you know, uh, hope's an only one as well. So that was a, a factor in terms of that kind of social contact. But yeah, we just decided we were going to go ahead with it. And we said at first we'd go ahead with it for a year, um, spoke to her school who were really supportive and understanding. Um and said, you know, her year wasn't full. So if any point, you know, they, we did deregister her formally. But if, you know, if we, we decided we made a mistake or want to change our mind, then there was flexibility there. So to be honest, that was quite reassuring um, that, you know, if it all went wrong and we couldn't manage it, then um, then we could go back into into the, the school system. But we haven't. And, you know, she's about to start year four and we're still planning to, to carry on with it. So, uh, yeah, it's uh, been a really, really interesting experience. So what did you find made you kind of look for online schooling? Because you could have done this without the online schooling aspect of it, because uh, she's very much an independent learner. 
So what was it about the online schooling aspect that kind of attracted you? I've worked in distance education um, for a long time. So I've worked in distance learning in higher education. So I've kind of had some knowledge of, of learning online and Hope had got on quite well with that, um, with the stuff that was sent from her school. And then we found you and just that security for me of knowing that she's following some kind of curriculum. Because I was like, you know, I love the flexibility. I love the creativity and the, the opportunity to do something different. I think at the minute we're all taking a month or a day or an hour at a time, aren't we? So should Mm. there be a point in the future when Hope decides she wants to go back into school or for any particular reason it doesn't fit around our family commitments, I just wanted that reassurance that she was still doing similar things to her peers that were in school, so to give us that flexibility. So when we found you and saw that you were teaching to the curriculum, that was really reassuring um, for us. And also it was a group format because it was still a little bit uncertain then in terms of lockdown and things. So it was still a way that she could connect with children week after week um, and make those friendships and those connections. So I, re- I do believe you can do that online. So in my experience of teaching online, mm-hmm. I think you can really make those connections online, whatever age you are. Um, the last year has shown us that really, hasn't it? Um, so yeah, that there was two things, the curriculum, but also the social element that really appealed to me from what you were doing. Did the school do live online classes in a video format or was it just homework being sent home? They didn't, unfortunately. I don't know what they did in the second lockdown, you know, from, I think it was from the January, wasn't it? Because um, mm. we were out of the system by then. But when we were getting the work from home, it was literally just worksheets and some white rose maths and things like that that, that that she was doing. So there wasn't much interactivity. There wasn't much connection. But of course, school has still got key workers in, haven't they? So they were balancing quite a lot. So she hadn't had that opportunity until she was working with you. But she'd always seen me teaching online. She'd seen me sat in front of the computer with students and, and you know, people and learning. So it was quite familiar to her. I think she was quite comfortable with that format. What was her first experience when she did the first first couple of weeks um, at UK Virtual School was there any kind of reaction from her that you didn't expect or did she really kind of gel to it what what was the first initial reaction do you remember yeah I do she really loved it and I think it was the fact that she was with other children her age I think the teachers that she's had have been really creative and you know whilst they are in a group they're much smaller groups than kind of 30 to 40 in a classroom which is where you know what our experience of of the school system was so she felt a connection I think I felt I think she said in the podcast with you you know she feels like she could ask questions she could kind of you know put things in the chat it was just really nice to and actually just nice to hear from the other room because I'd be in the other room and I'd hear these children talking after such a long time really you know of not really hearing kids together that much it was just so nice to hear kids laughing and joking and learning together have you seen her grow as a as a child as well? Because she was very, very quiet at the beginning. I remember when she came to the first kids meetings, and I think I've taught a couple of sessions for her as well. And she's a very quiet, polite, um, she kind of blends into the background if she needs to. And I find that she allows other kids to speak over, like to take take the limelight. And she's got this really polite nature about her, which is so adorable. But have you seen her grow as a person over this year? Because I've seen a little glimpse of more confidence now, now that we've come to the end of the year. But have you noticed other things throughout the year where you've gone, oh, she's making progress in these areas and she's growing as a person? Is that something that you've picked up on? Yeah, I think particularly in the kids' meetings as well, you know, where there's children of different ages, I think she seemed to be able to offer her ideas. Now, partly we, now I understand the format and what you're sort of doing in those meetings. I've been able to kind of talk to her before them and say, well, have a think about how you found the last few sessions and I think you want to feed back rather than just kind of sending her in there cold. So I guess it's a joint process. And, you know, I know I've contacted you on several occasions to ask about things and ask about feedback. Mm. And I think it's not just a question of sending her into the online classes and kind of leaving her to it. We do the homework together 
try and get included you know look each month to see what topics you're covering so we've got an idea of how we can sort of scaffold it and how we can look at other things that she can do around that so she's definitely more open-minded I think as a kid I was very conformist I think Hope's definitely got that in her and I think within school that would have perhaps sent her one way and I hope that doing what we're doing is perhaps going to bring that out in a different way so yeah she can be quite quiet she can be but I hope with the freedom that she's got in this way of schooling I hope that will nurture a bit more of a spark in her than just kind of going on and like I did kind of doing what you had to do to get through everything I hope it will just ignite a little spark in her to be a bit braver to be a bit riskier with seeing the things that she does not too much but (laughs) (laughs) because she's very creative and she reminds me of a little bit of me when I was younger she's into her art she's very talented in lots of different fields and it's lovely for her to be expressive and she's able to share her artwork and she's able to be excited and and also that final session that she had in English which was an interview lesson so I was in there observing and just to see the change there's a huge change from the girl that I saw at the beginning of the year who was very quiet, didn't want to respond unless she was spoken to directly. And suddenly in in that session, she was so much alive and she was really enjoying it. She was engrossed in the subject. And it's so nice to see that and see how she feels so comfortable speaking to a complete stranger because that was the first time she'd met that teacher. Um, But being so comfortable at the same time. And that's a big, big change that you maybe isn't so obvious when it's gradual. But when you've seen a child eight months ago and you see them then eight months later, you see that change. Um, And it, it was so nice to see that. And I think she spoke about how she now enjoys English. Have you seen that she's writing more at home and she's being a bit more creative on that front as well? Definitely. And I think, I suppose it's quite a different way of learning, isn't it? Well, it's a totally different way of learning to going into school with loads of other kids day in, day out. And I think it's took her a little while to find her feet with it and to sort of, you know, really understand what it's about, what she needs to do, how she needs to engage. But I, I really, yeah, I think she's getting there. You know, she's, she's all been talking about doing daily sessions with you from next year, oh, wow. which is really exciting. So that's one of the things we're going to try and work out, you know, so we know what we're doing from September. It took her a while, I think, to get used to, to what she was doing. But she's, yeah, she's definitely changed and, and grown, I think, as, as a result of it. She talks to us about what she's doing, whereas the first few months, it was a bit like that school experience when you pick them up. Oh, what have you been doing today? Nothing. I think can't remember um but now she will say what she's done and it will come out that they've been learning this and we do that volcano story we all heard about and she read it to everybody um so yeah she and the stuff they do in science she's really been talking a lot about and doing the kind of experiments each week so yeah she's a lot more engaged I think and, and the whole family is you know she talks about it a lot more than she ever did with the stuff she was doing at school even though you picked her up and you know within five minutes she's been forgotten everything she'd done for the entire day um, so. so what is it that has made you kind of think this is what I want to continue with because a lot of families have come to us, they've utilised our services over the, the pandemic experience and now they've decided that they want to go back to face-to-face, which is completely fine because I think we're all missing that interaction. What is it that has kind of given you that spark to kind of continue with this on a longer term basis or until she's happy um, and she wants to go back into school? So what's that What's that factor that's keeping you still home educating? It's that spark, I think. And this is nothing against the education system because I work in it, you know, and I know the challenges that, that they have. I think the best example I can give is in the six weeks holidays when she was in school. For the first half of it, every morning she'd be asking us, I'm bored, what can I do? I'm bored, what can I do? And I've been looking around thinking, well, there's Lego here, there's this, there's dolls, there's books, there's art, you know, oh my God, how can you be bored? And now you just don't get that. You know, she's got that 
her activity. She, I mean, you do occasionally. I'm not saying you never get a child saying she's bored. She's eight. Of course, she's bored occasionally. Mm. But she's much more capable of just getting into stuff and, and you know, self-initiating and doing things. And for me, that's really, really important. And that's something I really wanted to have, that kind of proactive mindset thing. I know you talk about growth mindset as one of your sort of key values as, a, as an organisation as well. And maybe it was just hope in school, maybe it was just, you know, that interaction with you. But I didn't feel she was getting that in that environment. And I really do feel that she's getting it with you. We are doing face-to-face activities as well. So she does farm school, she does gymnastics, she does horse riding and things. So, you know, she does get out and about and meet other kids as well. And that's really important for us, particularly because she is an only one. She sees her sort of family and her cousins and stuff as well. But I love the flexibility with you because I've said, you know, occasionally if she misses a session, we can watch it on catch up and we can sit and watch it together. Fractions, you know, she really wasn't sure about. So we watched that one a few times. (laughs) So, um, And you've got that opportunity to rewatch and relearn things if she's not sure if she's struggling. So that's really really valuable as well I love the fact that you've built this timetable around her and it's almost like you've always been home educating like it takes families a very very long time to get into a rhythm and a routine and have that right mix of academics and extracurricular activities and and to create a timetable where it's not overstretching them as well because I remember she was talking about we have a day off we don't go out on this day and that's really important to, to take a day where you're not doing things out outside and you're not doing things online and and just to relax and and I think a lot of families go into home education panicking that they need to do this many hours in a day or they go and they um, sign up to literally everything they can find and overwhelm themselves and you've got that right mix do you think it's because of your work as a distance learning teacher that you've already got that experience that knowing that there is a limit to how much online you can do because there is it needs to be a blended approach when it comes to to this kind of thing um so do you do you feel that that has helped you in in navigate or have is it because you've always thought about home education so you always had an idea of how you would do it and you've always done your research i think it's probably a bit of both it's been a bit of trial and error as well i think we probably definitely overscheduled to begin with and were those people that were signing up to everything it's like hang on i can't keep on top of everything i don't i've got no idea what she's doing or when and um and hope would say sometimes we've got a little blackboard where we put because i work as well so we put what our meetings i've got and what she's got mommy i don't like the days when i've got more meetings than you i don't like that <laughs> so, um, so you know she's been really involved in it as well and if you look at it on a no that's probably not right is it um so you know we've, we've kind of worked through it together and, I, and there's changes that I want to make from September as well in terms of the structure we really um denied what to do through August I remember kind of being on some of the Facebook groups for home education and asking some of the other home education families that were like, what do you do in August like why would we stop in August because that's the time I don't yeah. want to go out because everybody else is out you know I'm quite happy to teach and maybe we'll take September off um you know and I think it's having those choices or I remember Hopes was saying, but everyone else is off. Why am I still schooling? I said, because if you want a day off tomorrow, you can have one. That's the difference. You know, I know everybody else is off at the minute, but if you want to take four weeks at Christmas, you can do. If you want to take, you know, every Friday off for a month, you can do. You don't have to get up and, and start school at nine o'clock every morning. Um, you know, you, you've got that flexibility. And I think she's appreciative of that much more now, whereas before, as soon as schools broke up, you know, it was quite, I think it took her a while to kind of understand, well, hang on, why aren't I broken up? Because I know the schools are broken up. Because obviously you do the three weeks on and one week off. And sometimes that overlaps with when the schools are off. So we've really talked a lot about, actually, you know, you've got a lot more freedom here. You, know, you don't have to have two weeks at Easter. You don't have to have half term here because you can have it whenever you want it. Mm. And when the holidays are cheaper and those kind of things. Exactly. Um, so there's all those kind of bonuses for everybody, really. 
Do you find that also your work, because I was speaking to Ray um, in a podcast as well, and she was talking about how she works for herself and she was talking about how she's completely aligned her scheduling around the, her kids her kids schooling so then the three weeks off is when she's got all her meetings and stuff as well and then the one week off is when they all take a break and they and then they all kind of spend that time together as a family I do you have the flexibility to do that or is yours a little bit more rigid in terms of its timings and structure I do I mean I work in in a, in a university and so we work to kind of university timetables but the programs that I teach actually run all year because they're sort of professional learners so um, I have never really had that kind of long summer off like a lot of academics do so my, my teaching's a bit more you know it runs throughout the year my approach is I tend I, I get up early anyway so I tend to get up really early and do a couple of hours of work before anybody else is up um, and then I can kind of give Hope some time in the morning um, and then maybe come back to some work while she's doing something else or or having some free time so it kind of works like that so it definitely works around her schedule as much as I can but then there are times when I suppose she has to accept that I'm working um you know and other family members have to be involved as well and again I think that's not bad I mean even through lockdown my dad would zoom call her and do the virtual school homework with her so that was a way they could sort of connect oh, as that's well. nice. um, and he'd sit and or he'd sometimes watch some of the recorded sessions with her and I think it was a nice way for them to kind of you know him to be involved and for him to kind of understand what it was about as well so uh, yeah we try and get everybody involved <laughs> it's nice because I've heard this before as well like there's a there's a family that was doing GCSEs with us and hopefully I'll get I'll get her in for an interview at some point and uh, I know she's told me in meetings before that she she gets the grandparents like involved like her grandfather helps with the videos like they watch it together and I think he's based in India so they're watching it together and then they're going through the content and he's giving her help and support and it's really nice to see that because it is a joint kind of effort, right? It, and, and and we talk about this a lot, a, th- a three-way sort of relationship at UK Virtual School, but where it's between us and, and the family and the child. And everyone needs to be equally dedicated in, in actually making this work. You can't have the child not be interested. You can't have the parent not be interested. You can't have the teachers not be interested. It's one If one of those triangular pieces is not working, it's not going to work. We talk about commu- creating a community and it's so nice to hear how the families have created a community around the education as well. That's really nice. I think that's a really nice connecting point. And I guess he can teach what he would have learned at school and they might be slightly different and then he'll be reminiscing about his education system and then telling her stories and that puts a completely different dimension into it as well it's really opened his eyes actually because my dad's in his 70s and he's um he's actually a school governor um so you know it's really when we first made the decision you know I think like a lot of people's families he was a bit like oh my goodness okay I support you but I'm not really sure and what on earth are you doing um and why doesn't she just go back to school? But he's actually obviously been involved with the lessons that you do and the homework. He's come to some of the face-to-face groups that we do as well. And it's really opened his eyes, which has been really nice to see. He's um, just been really impressed, I think, by what you do and what she's doing and all the things that she's learning and, and the impact it's having on her. And that's kind of reassuring for me as well in terms of, okay, you know, because it is a bit daunting, isn't it, making that decision? It it's a massive responsibility. <laughs> yeah, and, and I've spoken to loads of families who prior to COVID especially that it was like a big move to go from being in the schooling system to then decide actually I want to permanently home home educate and that's a big move when you're not being forced like I think a lot of families were forced into it over COVID and then they've stuck with it and they've gone I've always thought about it but I never had the the, the, the push or, uh, or the kind of 
I was scared to actually try it because I didn't know what what to expect. And because they had a glimpse and a taster of it, and they enjoyed it, and they've carried on with it, like like you have. Um, but going from being in the school environment to completely home educating without that little taster, it's a big decision. Yeah. And I've spoken to so many families because I've worked with home educating families for over 11 years now. And it's the same anxieties, same fears that you're, you're, you've just mentioned here um, that every single family goes through because they're like, am I doing the right thing? Am I putting my child in a position where they're never going to be able to catch up again and it's going to be a disservice to them? And they all have the doubts inside of them. And then when they try it, and they give it a couple of months. And yes, they'll make mistakes and they'll make adjustments and, and then they find a routine and they're like, I can't believe I didn't do this earlier. So do you actually look back and go, this could have worked a lot earlier for Hope? Is that something that you've thought about now? Yeah, absolutely. I, I reflect back and think that, but actually just listening to you talking, I'm kind of questioning whether without the pandemic, whether we'd ever have taken that leap. So that's yeah. a really interesting kind of uh, reflection in terms of actually it's kind of uh, really um, enabled us to, to do that, uh, which is which is really positive. But I think everyone's different. Aren't there? there are kids that are going to thrive in school. There are kids that have a terrible time in school. There are going to be kids that thrive with home education. There are kids that are going to have a terrible time with it. And I suppose it's just working out what's right for you, isn't it? And, and I think that's why I'm not sitting here saying I'm going to home educate hope forever it's really very much term by term her thoughts our thoughts and you know there, there have been some weeks where she's sort of you know sat and just wanted to watch Netflix all day or you know not want to do anything or mummy the worst thing about home education is you're my teacher you know those kind of conversations that we all have this quiet nice you know polite child um and and you, know, you have you have those sort of reflection points don't you week on week thinking oh my goodness you know and then the next week goes really really well and and, you know, and, and I think when we have those weeks, for me, it's just remembering actually we had those weeks at school as well. We had those weeks in the morning where she didn't want to go, she didn't want to put a uniform on, you know, actually getting out the door was a real hardship. And it's because there's something else going on, isn't it? There's something, you know, I can kind of think now that, and I try and remember in those moments, there's something else going on. So let's just take a break. Let's just figure out what's going on. And I mean, I'm, I'm fortunate my job's flexible, so, so we can do that. Just knowing your child, I suppose. Yeah, and sometimes it's just, we just need a bit of time out. Like, we almost imagine kids to not be human. We expect them to to just whiz through what we've told them to do without moaning, without having bad days, without feeling tired. And, and actually, if you look at our, our own selves, we have days where we don't want to get out of bed. We have days where we just want to sit in front of the TV. We have days where we just don't want to do anything but eat chocolate, right? And we don't want to eat any healthy meals. Like we have those days ourselves as adults. And actually we need to kind of go, right, it's just part of being human, right? And a child can actually have all those feelings and just recognizing and taking time out and going, yeah, that's fine. We could take take a day slower. It might mean that you might have to do a little bit more work tomorrow or the day after or whatever, but you can take some time out today and recognizing that and actually realizing what days are going well and, and being flexible and realizing you're not always going to have happy days because emotions come and go as well absolutely and i think that's really interesting i mean hope's dad's actually said he can remember as a child like come sunday afternoon he'd be already be dreading school and you know he said i could just remember that feeling like sunday afternoon sunday evening i have a great saturday sunday morning up to lunchtime was all right then from about three o'clock you know just sort of decline (laughs) um you know we work at weekends sometimes not every weekend um but occasionally hope will get something out and want to do something and and i 
Again, I really like that flexibility because there isn't that, oh, God, it's Monday morning or, you know, yay, it's Friday. You know, every day is just, not every day is the same in a, in a dull sense, but every day is kind of an opportunity to do something you want to do within a structure. And I really like that. I mean, I think that's really sort of psychologically healthy, I think, rather than, I mean, for some people, the kind of Monday to Friday routine works and a weekend's off. But mm. for us as a family, that doesn't really work. And actually, I prefer that kind of fluidity throughout the week. Um that works for us at the moment, you know, come next term, come next year, who knows, you know, and we, it, that's, I think that's how we'll continue. How do you see this working? If you were to continue on a longer term basis, do you see, um, do you see yourself taking your laptops with you when you go on holiday? Or do you see yourself going on holiday at the end of the month? Like, how do you see it working if you were to take, well, this is, this is hoping that COVID dies out in the next couple of months and years, right? So we can actually travel. How flexible do you think this could be potentially for your family if you did decide to travel and did decide to do other things? Oh, completely flexible. And I think, I hope that's the position that a lot of people are in now with the way we've worked for, for such a long time that, you know, we've all got these options. And I used to travel for work, like going to conferences and things like that. So we've traveled quite a lot as a family to, to places I've gone to with work. I mean, I tend to work, obviously I'm working if I'm there. Um, so I don't have any issues with that. Or we've talked about kind of longer term time away, like maybe going, we've talked possibly about going away for a month in September. And if we do that, you know, she can still do her lessons from there. I can still be engaged with work rather than actually taking a month off. And mm. that's really exciting, I think, to, to have those opportunities. And you look at these families that are like traveling the world and home educating. And I mean, that's, I mean, I guess obviously a lot of that's on hold at the moment. But I mean, what an amazing way to kind of bring a child up. It's just different options, isn't it? I mean, I, I really feel strongly at the minute that, Without wishing to sound negative, I don't quite know what we're preparing young people for. So I work in, in the university system. So, you know, 18 to 21 year olds, I don't really know what the graduate market's going to be like for them. I don't know what their future work's going to be like. And, you know, we're having those conversations with them. And even looking at kids' hope pledge, I don't know what we're educating them for. You know, we don't really know that yet. So I think the growth mindset, the kind of psychological resilience, those kind of flexibility, you know, all those things have got to hopefully help them to be open-minded and to be adaptable rather than to have a rigid, you know this is how we do things this is how it has to be done which perhaps is more restrictive I don't know but yeah who knows (laughs) it's a really good point that you mentioned and it's going to be more about the skills that they've learned the lifelong skills that are going to support them in in whatever is going to happen in the future because we don't know like 10 20 years ago we wouldn't have known that um the internet would have been before the internet we wouldn't have known that the internet would have been this big we wouldn't have known that we could have video calls we wouldn't have known that we can have schooling completely on a screen this wouldn't have even been an option so we need young adults that are able to be very flexible in the approach that they take to become innovators of the future to design new things Um, And I think one exciting thing about UK virtual school is that we've got families from all over the world. And I don't know how many of those have been in hopes classes, but just like looking through the list of the different countries and the different um, cultures and ethnicities that bring together what we have, the community that we have at UK virtual school is very exciting. And this is people that they wouldn't normally meet. Um, So I don't know how whether she's had people from all over the world in her classes. She has. I mean, I was mentioning names, but I know there's a, a girl in Dubai in one of her classes and she really loves, she talks about her a lot. Um, and, you know, that's a, a really nice side of it. And you know, I think sometimes they talk about what time it is, where they are. And I think that's really interesting as well because they could just understand that difference and that somebody might be having breakfast and somebody else might be having their evening meal and getting ready for bed. Um, and I, I, I think that, again, you know, my groups are global. So I hope kind of hears all sorts of kind of conversations when I'm teaching. 
and I think it's really nice for her to be part of that global community because she just wouldn't get that in in a in a schooling environment, yeah. not on a week to week basis. I mean, obviously they do different things, but that's really important, I think, as well, and 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 just a nice you know a nice side of it. I'm so excited about the world views. I keep raving on about this, but that's <laughs> going to bring a completely different dimension into teaching and one thing that I'm really looking forward to doing is potentially in every country to connect with one single school that we can then have potential pen friends with and have a connection with and and that would be so amazing if they've got friends dotted around all over the world that they can relate to and and talk about education and talk about learning Um, and if they ever travel meet the family that they've been communicating with. How amazing that would that be? And I look back to my own childhood, like pen pals were such a exciting element because we had pen friends in Germany because we were learning the German language at secondary. Um, and when she visited England, it was so exciting to have her over and visit the family and, and things like that. And, and it's such a different, it adds a different dimension and twist to education that you can't just get in a classroom with your with your own local community. And uh, yeah, it's very exciting. And I know that Hope would completely love that, <laughs> to have friends all over the world. Yeah, she would. and I think and it just provides the opportunity to do that, doesn't it, in a way that you've never really been able to do before. I mean, mm. I grew up in a little village and there was one family that wasn't British. And, you know, I mean, they were all good. <laughs> um, and, 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 you know, and other children are in, in environments that are very multicultural. So, you know, your exposure to that if you're actually in a, in a face-to-face school is very dependent on where you live, isn't it? And actually to be able to have a virtual environment where you can just nurture that, I think, is, is amazing. In particular, travel is yeah. restricted as well. You know, you can still have that kind of contact with people all over the world. It makes traveling all that more exciting because you've got a little glimpse into that culture before you've even been there. And it adds a completely different dimension. It's like before COVID, I did a lot of science workshops and it's very different when kids learn about a heart and do a heart dissection straight away um, to actually building that up and then doing a heart dissection because their minds are so blown out. They're like, wow, this is what we were. We're talking about the chambers and all of the, and they can see it. And when you build that up slowly, it opens up your mind to something completely different. And I think it's really exciting that if they learn about a country and they learn the language and they have a pen friend and then they go visit it, it's going to add a completely different dimension to it. Mm -hmm. Because you can go on holiday, but stay in a tourist area, not really experience the culture. Um, and then you can actually learn about the culture and then be excited to not be in the tourist area because you want to actually experience it firsthand. So yeah, it has a different dimension. And um, yeah, it's exciting to have Hope, who's been with us for pretty much the entire entirety of last year, um, the beginning of UK Virtual School, and then to see her progress through and see how she's going to grow as a person and how she's going to find that. So we're very excited to have her back again. And thank you so much for being an amazing parent and supporting her and supporting her own visions and her own kind of what she wants to do. Because I think it's really hard for parents also to let go of what they've been used to. We've all been through the education system and sometimes it's it's like, well, it worked out for us, so it should work out for the kids as well, right? (laughs) Um, And to take that approach where you're like, it worked out for me, but there's other ways and maybe another way could work for my child is a really bold step to take. So hats off to you. 
Life's changed though, hasn't it? It's like it worked for us in that time in that moment and it's not that time or that moment now. Completely different now. We didn't even have a laptop until I was 18. So now kids can do everything on a laptop that we were learning when we were adults. So it's amazing how much things change. But thank you so much for taking out the time in your busy schedule to have this interview with me and to share your journey and to share your story. It's always a pleasure to speak to families and get a little insight into their life and what, what they've been up to, especially during COVID. Because um, I think we've connected really well with a lot of the kids and the families that have taken part in the parent meetings. But I know the parent meetings don't always align with um, availability for families. So it's nice to be able to catch up with you, Catherine. Thank you. Thank you for listening into the UK Virtual School podcast. We hope you took value from this podcast. And if you did, please remember to like and to subscribe and to share what you've learned with other families. Now, if you want to find out about UK Virtual School, go to ukvirtualschool.co.uk or you can join our page or Facebook group, UK Virtual School. We hope that your home education journey is an exciting one. And if you're right at the beginning of starting out, do reach out to us and ask us for some support. I'm Sid, you've been listening into the UK Virtual School podcast and I'll see you next time.